Welcome back to another episode of the PigX Podcast. As always, I'm your host, Delaney Howell. This month, we're chatting with two graduate students attending Iowa State University who have focused their research efforts around water biology and water quality. Gabby Dawn and Becca Waltert are going to explore with us during this episode the differences between water biology and water quality, how to know if there are issues with your water or water source, and what to do if you discover some issues. To kick it off, Gabby is going to start by giving us a little bit more about her educational background, so let's jump in. My name is Gabby Dawn, and I'm currently a postdoc uh, with the Swine Medicine Education Center out at the ISU College of Vet Med. I initially am an Iowa native, so I grew up in Clive, Iowa, just outside of Des Moines area. And I went to Central College in Pella back in 2017 and, and graduated there. And then I went to Iowa State, actually, for veterinary school, graduated in 2021, and then I went into my current role as a postdoc. And so my role is currently teaching, doing some research, and doing some clinical practice as well. Awesome. And Becca, what about you? I am a 2021 grad from Iowa State University. My undergraduate degree is in animal science. And I'm currently a master's student with the Swine Medicine Education Center. And I do a little bit of the same as Gabby. And then I also do my own research as well. Awesome. Well, I'm excited to learn more about some of the research that you're both working on because you both have been really focused around, I would say, a newer concept to the industry, which is water biology. So let's start out with learning more about what that is and why producers in the swine industry should should care about that topic. Yeah, so water biology is sort of this interaction between water quality and how organisms in the water line or water line biofilms interact within swine farms. And so really, like, like you had mentioned, it's a new topic to the swine industry. I think we've looked at water primarily from a nutritional level previously, but we haven't really looked at it as what organisms are in there, how are biofilms interacting, and with some of our treatments that we're putting through the water lines and, and ultimately pig performance as well. So I looked through some of the literature that you shared before we hopped on here today. And I love, Gabby, that uh, one of the headlines is called Water Biology, the Next Frontier for Biosecurity. I think that's a really catchy and fun headline, but break it down for us. Why is water biology the next frontier for biosecurity? Through my research, I found that there's actually quite a few human studies looking at groundwater and pathogens moving through groundwater sources. And, you know, it was an assumption of mine for a long time that groundwater was protected source against a lot of, you know, potential contaminants or that our private wells, you know, would be protected because there's this filtration effect from all the sediments and all of that. But ultimately, through the research that I've done, that's not really the case. So they have found fecal indicators bacteria in groundwater sources from livestock. So indicating that that pathway from, you know, potential manure spread down into water sources is possible. And um, I came across, you know, how, how frequent is this happening in Iowa? So I, I came across a study that the DNR did back in 2002 to 2017. They tested 55,000 wells um, to look for bacteria and nitrates as well. But they found that roughly 40% of those wells contained bacteria or E. coli. Additionally, in other research articles that I've looked at, they've estimated that up to one third of all private wells in the United States are going to contain some type of virus. And so they were looking primarily at 
noroviruses or other enteroviruses that would primarily be, you know, a human concern, but not very many people have looked at livestock viruses or pathogens that could be moving through the water sources. And, and I think that that's a huge risk or a potential risk that people haven't looked into previously. So I think it's kind of the next frontier that way. And when you look at the differences between water quality and water biology, what are those main differences? Water quality is primarily looking at from mineral components. And and I guess the water biology is a subset of that. So it's looking more at like, what is the organism potential? What is the organism viability potential? And how does water quality, you know, those mineral components interact with our organisms? Can it preserve those organisms? Does it influence biofilm growth in any sense, especially once it gets into our water lines? That kind of concept. Awesome. So when you you mentioned water lines, how does a water line become contaminated? Yeah, so there's two primary locations or primary sources of contamination. And so swine water systems, it can be a contaminated from the water itself. So like I had mentioned, you know, maybe there's some potential for swine associated pathogens to come through the water lines um, from the water source, whether that's surface water or a well water source, or once the water gets into the barn, our current water systems are not really designed to be pressurized and they can be become contaminated. There's some open areas. So like the, the water medicator, you know, usually there's a open stock bucket that may or may not be uh, completely clean. And so when we're putting medications into the water lines or probiotics or other things like that, we are introducing, you know, potential nutrients and other, you know, areas that organisms could enter into that system. And ultimately, the pigs can cause that contamination itself. So like I had mentioned, they're not pressurized. So anytime a pig goes up and drinks from a water nipple or goes to a wet to dry feeder and is drinking from that water source, there's potential for biofilms to develop and then also to seed back into those water line systems itself. So those are the two primary areas where water systems can be contaminated. So you've been uh, quiet as we've been chatting about some of Gabby's research. So let's dig a little bit more into some of the research that you've been doing as related to water biology. My research is mainly focused on evaluating water line management and water system setup with a main focus on water antimicrobial administration through the water line. Gabby had kind of mentioned that we distribute medications through the water line out of a stock bucket. So this bucket can be anything from large pail found on farm to a med bucket that they have had. Normally, they are not the cleanest and they don't get rinsed very often. And so a lot of my research is dealing with how well we can take antimicrobials into the water line without contamination and that kind of stuff. So how well the water line, the water bucket is cleaned out, how well the pipes are being treated, if, you know, what kind of systems there are, and then overall creating a best practices for all swine farms throughout the United States to kind of go off of. Before we look a little further into what those best practices are, let's discuss a little bit more about what you need to do if you find a problem with your water. So let's say you find a problem with your water, you're you're maybe considering that there is, you know, some type of issue, whether that's you're having some mineral buildup, you've got some biology problems within your water lines, 
you may be considering a disinfectant. And I'd highly recommend that you work with some of your water disinfectant companies and not just grab the bleach. Bleach, we don't have extra label use because it's an EPA registered product. And so unfortunately, household bleach is commonly used as a disinfectant on a lot of farms and, and that's not really legal. You know, it, it is legal when you're using it in between turns of pigs and, and not when the pigs are in the barn and drinking that water, but using it while the pigs are in the barn, that's not a legal use. So I'd highly recommend talking to some other water disinfection companies to try to narrow down on what chemistry would work best for your particular barn, for your particular water quality, because every barn is going to be different in what it needs as far as a disinfectant regimen. So this might be a little bit early and this might be something you're still working on, but what are some of those best practices that you've discovered throughout your research? Yeah, so I'm actually still in like the prelim era of my research. So I'm just trying to create basically a baseline of what farms are looking like now before I go into really what are the best practices. So I guess my goal right now is to take kind of creating a survey on what all farms look like nowadays and like how their water system is set up, if they have water line SOPs, if they have water cleaning SOPs, that kind of stuff, just to kind of get a grasp on what our farms look like in terms of water line management. And then best practices will come hopefully sooner rather than later. I think some best practices that, you know, are, are just kind of in general trying to eliminate the level of contamination into those water lines, you know, getting a clean stock bucket or using a trash can when we're uh, mixing up water medications or other things that are going into the water lines, uh, making sure that we're treating medicine like medicine and keeping that system as closed as possible, you know, potentially putting a lid over that stock bucket so that uh, flies or other things don't get in to the uh, stock bucket. I think also rinsing out your medicator. People, they'll turn on the medicator when they need to run a medication and then they'll turn it off without rinsing it out. And so that creates some opportunity for some antimicrobials to be left in that medicator or it, it could potentially lead to their medicator not working appropriately. So I think those are some general things that kind of come to the top of my head when I think about best practices for water line management, at least from what we know right now. And, and we're definitely going to learn more once we, we get some of Becca's research back. Absolutely. I think that's a, a great high level overview of some best practices. But when you think about, okay, you've got these practices implemented, but of course, problems and challenges are still going to arise. How do you evaluate if you do have problems with your water? Yeah. So some common things that you might find that, that might indicate that you've got a water problem some plugged water nipples with mineral debris and components when you're looking at those water nipples when you take them out to try to unplug them. You know, there's filters in your water distribution system that maybe get plugged easily or seem dirty. Maybe sometimes you can't even see the filter. That might indicate that there's debris or something else coming through the lines. You know, poor water flow and water restrictions. So maybe you're seeing you're not getting as good of a pressure at 
the back of your barn versus in the beginning of the barn or the front of it. You know, another thing is maybe you just have reoccurring disease outbreaks that seem to be contained just by that site, even despite your best biosecurity improvements on that site. So let's say you have a flow of pigs that routinely goes to this specific barn, its cohorts at other, you know, facilities, they're not really experiencing those disease challenges. And specifically, coli is is one thing that comes to mind and is kind of an interest of the industry right now is looking at that potential. So, you know, if you're seeing some of those things, maybe start thinking, okay, I should maybe take a water sample or a few water samples to try to understand my water problem a little bit better. And so in general, I just want to touch on you know, pigs can generally tolerate a wide range of water qualities. Younger pigs, uh, those neonatal and nurseries aged pigs are most at risk for water imbalances, but typical water targets that you would want to hit is a low total dissolved solid. So what that is, is it's kind of some mineral components and some chemical components in the water. So like potassium, you know, calcium, magnesium, those. We generally want those less than 3,000 parts per million. Also with sulfates, we like those less than 1,000 parts per million. Sulfates can actually cause, when they're higher, you know, than 1,000 or 2,000 parts per million, can actually cause an osmotic diarrhea in pigs. And so it can it can look like maybe a disease process is going on, but it could just be your water source too. We want low nitrates, total coliforms. You know, this is kind of where my research is at. And so hopefully we can get some more information. But in general, less than a thousand colony forming units per mil is a typical rate for coliforms. And then, you know, a lot of our farms experience hard water. So that's a common finding, but it and it necessarily doesn't cause an issue for the pigs, but it can create that mineral framework for biofilms in your water lines to develop and potentially reduce your water flow to pigs if you have hard water. So it's it's a good estimate to try to look at that. And then iron is commonly present in the water as well, but it can, bacteria can feed off of that iron. And so keeping iron levels low as well should be a general target for good water quality. Now, Gabby, throughout those remarks, you mentioned some target levels that your water should be kept at for a good level of quality, whether it be for iron, calcium, or other nutrients. What would you say is the best way to get an accurate reading of those levels based on your research? Yeah, so some first things that you want to do is you want to take a water sample. And so I'd highly recommend to test in multiple locations because I've actually found in my research, just testing from the well itself may not give you a good idea on what your water quality is inside of the barn. So throughout my research, I'm looking at water quality at the wellhead and then from the end of the line in, you know, a wean to finish barn that has two rooms. And so I'm comparing two rooms, water quality versus the well. And surprisingly, the coliform levels in the uh, rooms is higher than what is at the well in a lot of my cases that I've seen. So what that's saying is that there's some level of biofilm growth that organisms are growing within those water lines and it's being seeded into the water. Where that introduction is occurring, you know, we had talked about maybe some entrances, but we can't, you know, say that that's specifically what's causing it, but it's an observation just because this is preliminary data right now. So test from multiple locations because your water may be different in those locations. You'll want 
want to look at trace minerals, coliforms, and also get a water quality analysis. So making sure that you're testing for nitrates and sulfates and total dissolved solids, which is looking at those mineral components. I'd also recommend, you know, testing via a pH meter. You can request the lab test your water pH because if you do have hard water, increasing your pH. So if you have a pH of seven, you know, or above your likelihood of, and depending on some of your other water quality parameters, you're increasing your likelihood of, of that mineral component building up on the inside of your water line pipes. And so it, it could um, cause a problem with water reduction in, in the back of your barns as well. So we also like to ask this at the end of every episode for just a little take-home message. So, you know, if if listeners walk away with nothing else, what's one thing they need to know leaving today's podcast? From my perspective, the biggest thing is that we preach on it. The pig needs good air quality, good feed, and, you know, a a warm environment and, and good water, right? A lot of people have kind of skipped over on good water. It's just present. It's running to those water nipples. It's available. And I think we really need to look into it more, specifically from a biosecurity perspective and also understanding, is it affecting our medication efficacy, our oral vaccines, those things. So that's really my big takeaway from today. And I would piggyback off of what Gabby said and just, it's a very forgotten resource that is one of the main three food air and water and so i think it's just keep an eye out and keep looking at how we can create better water pathways into our pigs well that does it for another episode of the big x podcast again a big thank you to gabby and becca for joining us this month to discuss their research and recommendations Tune back in next month as we tackle the topic of swine foot health and lesions and how that impacts swine mortality. Until next time, I'm your host, Delaney Howell, and this has been the PigX Podcast. PigX is a national podcast hosted by the Pig Livability Project partners at Iowa State University, Kansas State University, and Purdue, and supported by the Iowa Pork Industry Center. For more information on the project, head to www.piglivability.org or to inquire directly with questions regarding the project, email ipic at iastate.edu. Pig X, ideas in the swine industry worth sharing.